Hey everybody, Saul Marquez here and welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Hope you're doing well. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Michael Greeley on the podcast. He is the co-founder and general partner at Flare Capital Partners. Previously, Michael was the founding general partner of Flybridge Capital Partners and early in his career with Polaris Partners, as well as he held positions at Wasserstein, Perella and Company and Morgan Stanley and Company. Currently and prior board seats include many of the companies that they're working on, such as Aspen RX Health, Blue Tarp Financial, Circulation, Cohere Health. Iora Health, the list is long, but he serves in various innovation and investment advisory boards for health systems like Advocate Aurora, Boston Children's Hospital, Cleveland Clinic. He's well-connected. And what I wanted to focus on today's episode with Michael was on a topic that's on a lot of entrepreneurs' minds is how to raise capital. What are things that you could do to be more successful in attracting the right investors to your company? What are things that you could do to stand out from others that are also looking for money when a very limited number of companies are doing the majority of investments. So I'm excited for today's discussion. Michael, really, really excited and uh, looking forward to the pearls you're going to share with us today. So thanks for jumping on our podcast. Great to be here, Saul. Thank you for including me. Absolutely. Before diving into the work that you guys are doing at Flare Capital Partners, wanted to really maybe get a better feel for you and why healthcare? Well, what inspires your work in healthcare? That's an excellent question. I was an organic chemistry major in college years and years ago. Was pre-med like many frustrated VCs that you run into, ended up not going to medical school, but going to business school and become quite almost infatuated, excited about innovation and particularly the convergence of what we were seeing in the technology landscape and the healthcare landscape. And so I have been in the investment world for the most of my career, nearly 25 plus years. In parallel, have now started three venture firms. The most current one you alluded to is Flare Capital Partners. We manage about half a billion dollars, early stage, healthcare technology focused. And I thought there was a real market opportunity to serve entrepreneurs who are trying to reinvent or transform the business of healthcare, but they were underserved. So I have the, the distinct pleasure of working in a fascinating industry, but also being an entrepreneur myself, helping to partner with entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's fascinating. And and you also keep a blog going, right? I do on the flyingbridge.com. Mm-hmm. It's a reference to my prior firm, Flybridge Capital Partners. And you know what, probably like your podcast turned into uh, more of a commitment than I initially thought whenever I started maybe five or 10 years ago, closer to 10 years ago. But it struck me that entrepreneurs had, frankly, little visibility into the workings of a venture firm, how decisions are made and the various you know, kind of motivations of the investor. And that sort of blossomed into trying to provide commentary around the healthcare tech landscape, the capital markets. And as you know, the markets obviously move through various cycles. We happen to be in a really almost frothy cycle right now, part of the cycle right now. And my public services to try and provide a little bit of insight into what is a pretty opaque process and give kind of the voice of the investor. I think it's been reasonably well received, but always open to to feedback from the market. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, just looking through it, there's some really good stuff in there. So folks, the link is on theflyingbridge.com and we're going to put a link to that. Tons of really cool insights that Michael's writing about there. So make sure you check that out. 
So let's dive in, Michael. The process is opaque and there's a lot of healthcare entrepreneurs that don't really know what to expect. Talk to us about how some of the things that you're doing is helping companies pair well with venture companies like yourself. So I think there's there are obviously many layers to that answer. And I'll just highlight one. We, we consider ourselves culturally to be the invited guest. And so we're not here to run the company. We're not here to uh, have outsized influence, but we want to be helpful. And, and I think we contribute in a couple of important ways. Obviously, we provide capital. The composition of our investor base is roughly half of the capital we manage comes from two dozen or so strategic investors, hospital systems, payers, retailers, insure, device companies, lab companies, pharma companies. And so we try and bring that extended network to each of our portfolio companies. We have about two dozen active portfolio companies now. We're on the board of all our companies. And as I said, we're, we're not in any way, shape or form getting close to running the business, but we really want to be the partner of the entrepreneur. And I think we help, you know, so in addition to capital, we obviously spend a lot of time thinking about composition of teams and recruiting and trying to lean on our network, sort of our extended networks to help recruit. And that's obviously essential to the early uh, stages of these companies. And then we work really hard to try and get some early customer traction, early customer adoption. And as early stage investors, oftentimes our companies don't have revenues, maybe not even a product. And so bringing, helping the entrepreneur kind of navigate the, the market, partnerships, early pilot customers. And, you know, all that, frankly, takes a lot of time and patience. We get it. These companies, unlike maybe in some other sectors like consumer internet, may be more asymptotic. And that is the first couple of years. It's it's heads down trying to figure out product market fit and build the right management team. And then it begins to get traction. And so I think we're quite empathetic, sympathetic to the journey. And I guess one other thing I'd say, Saul, is you know, I think venture investors, the other service that they provide is set of, set of pattern recognition of what's worked well and, and not so well in other circumstances. And we want to just bring that to the discussion at the board level with the CEO. And the privileged position for us is to be the first call. And so when something happens uh, or there's an issue that the founders, CEOs think to, that, you know, we want to earn that respect and be the first call that we can partner with them. All, all of that sounds like motherhood and apple pie. At the end of the day, we're trying to all build really big businesses and together. And, you know, more often than not, if you nail the product market fit, good things can come from that. Totally. And uh, the the process of being able to, to team up with venture firm and leveraging those network effects that you mentioned could be really valuable even beyond the capital. Obviously, both are important, but you know, talk to us a little bit about how some of those things work. And as entrepreneurs try to get the resources, the eyes, the ears, the money, you know, what are some some tips that you would give them? Yeah, so I think the venture industry has kind of gone through different incarnations. I, I happen to believe we're in a phase now where our investors are looking for firms like ours that are deeply expert in fewer sectors. So not mm -hmm. a generalist, but more specialist. And so the, what we've tried to do and as I mentioned earlier about, for instance, the composition of our investor base, having so many strategics involved, we want to be thoughtful and informed about what the market opportunities are in the healthcare tech space. We're not doing clean tech. We're not doing enterprise software. We're focused on healthcare tech. And so we have a handful of, we think, really important themes that will generate it will create the environment for really important companies we've built over the next 5, 10, 15 years. And so if entrepreneurs are approaching us and they have a vision that maps to those themes, we immediately resonate with that. And we're very eager to meet with those entrepreneurs. Last year, we had a little over 1,100 companies kind of hit our top of the funnel. 
And so notwithstanding the pandemic, and maybe because of the pandemic, the level of activity really spiked. And so we saw a lot of, just a lot of activity. And to your point, how does one navigate or break through that? And so I think thoughtful about the firms you're targeting and making sure that what you're doing is understood and appreciated by the firms that you're targeting is certainly one way to begin to get through the clutter in the market. And then I think being, frankly, realistic about the, what milestones are and what, what is achievable and that path forward is also really appreciated. And then clearly, first and foremost, is the strength of the team. And so if you think you have gaps in your team, you know, backfill those as quickly as you can with really A-plus talent, build an advisory board, maybe get really credible angels early in the journey that can help mm-hmm. be, you know, your kind of quasi-spokesperson and lend credibility. And so presume success early, dare to be great and start to build the components early of the team. Great teams break through all the noise. And, you know, a lot of very successful entrepreneurs in our sector have become quite prolific angels. And so try and get in front of them in parallels, getting in front of the, the more institutional firms like ours. But, it, you know, it's not easy. It's a lot of shoe leather and a lot of networking into these firms. I'll make one other comment just in the landscape. I used to be on the board of what's called the National Venture Capital Association, NBCA. Okay. It, analysts think there are about 1,300 venture firms. I think there are probably 100 that account for 80% of the activity. So there's sort of a long tail distribution to, to my industry. Within that list of 100, let's say it's 100, maybe 20% or 30% are pretty actively investing in the healthcare tech land uh, opportunities landscape. And so it's not, you don't wow. need to go see 1,300 firms. It's a more concentrated group. And then don't forget the strategics. They have a very big voice in this. And many of them have very strong in-house venture teams. And so you know, just be thoughtful about the beginning, the first couple steps of the journey so you're not wasting a lot of your time. Man, that is so helpful. Thank you for for that insight. And I'm sure folks, you're listening, you're like, wow, those numbers are crazy, like 100. And then out of that, 20% are actively investing. I mean, that's just like, wow. In, so In the healthcare landscape. Yeah. And I'm making, yeah, I'm making that up. But I think the firms, I mean, in this market, it's relatively easy to raise capital. It's hard. Absolutely, it's hard. But on a relative basis, there is a lot of respect and excitement about this sector. So a lot of firms may be dabbling, like they'll do one or two investments in the healthcare tech space, but I'm it's a swag, 20 or 30% of the most active 100 firms have a dedicated partner or set of investors within those firms that are saying, hey, this is a massive market opportunity. There's three or four trillion of spend that's being kind of re-architected and we need to set up portfolio companies investments in this space. And so go to those firms first because they'll better appreciate what you're doing and actually take any interaction as a fundraising pitch, but it's also a chance to learn. So listen from listen from what their experiences are. And if if you find you're being unfortunately turned down, ask for critical feedback. Like wasn't resonating and you may be turned down for perfectly good reasons. If they're slightly later stage investors and you're a seed stage company, you know, it's just not a good fit for what they're trying to do. And so don't take any of it personal, but do take away from those interactions, whatever valuable lessons you, you can get. And there are a lot of lessons to be learned. We have, as I said, two dozen or so active portfolio companies. So when I'm meeting entrepreneurs for the first time, I'm trying to bring the experiences and insights from all of those companies as they're trying to navigate these markets. And so look at each of these as a chance to to get smarter, but also to 
find a, a business partner that could be super helpful. Yeah, no, this is great advice. And how do you find out? Like, so this small number of companies doing the active investing like Flare Capital in healthcare, how do you find out who they are? Is it pretty well known? I think there's a, a lot of word of mouth that entrepreneurs, yeah. they all compare notes. You know, we get probably six or eight daily uh, newsletters announcing the deals that were funded the day before or closed the day before. So if entrepreneurs are kind of plugging into those resources, you can begin to see a lot of the same names showing up or go to the NVCA website, nvca.org, and you can screen for firms. But the best way to do it, coming in cold is like a sales pitch. It's super hard to break through. Do try and figure out if you're one or two derivatives away from these firms and you know lean on those contacts to help make introductions. And that's a much more productive way of, of getting in. And I mean, obviously, we our job is to make investments. So we're actively looking for great entrepreneurs, you know, almost as hard as great entrepreneurs are actively looking to raise capital. So it's a little bit of a chaotic time right now in the market. As I mentioned, we saw just over 1,100 companies last year. There's a lot of activity. I think there's Zoom fatigue, but yeah. notwithstanding that, we've all figured out how to navigate Zoom and we've become, I think, as a group, pretty facile with it. And so you should be able to get interesting first meetings relatively easily, you know, and given that nobody's having the, all the unproductive time of traveling is, out the, is not a factor. I think the number of first meetings is actually much higher right now than it would be in a more kind of normalized environment. Yeah, that's really interesting, Michael. And what do you think the impact of the pandemic has been? Because of that, do you feel like it's gotten maybe a little bit easier to get your foot in the door? Yeah, I think we're, we're all really struggling with what will be the kind of near, medium, long-term impact. And I, I hate to sound so upbeat about it because so many people are struggling in their personal lives. So we all acknowledge that it's devastating. It will be devastating for many people for many years to come. I think for healthcare tech entrepreneurs and investors, it's perversely sort of the golden age. And, yeah. you know, we saw 10 years of innovation and, and adoption get compressed into 10 months. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not being kind of hyperbolic about it. We have a healthcare system that is moving to real time on demand virtual when all the forces were kind of a lot of friction in that journey. It had to happen over the course of a few months last year. And it's hard to see consumer behavior completely going back to what it was. All of that required novel new technologies. The, the irony is so the solutions are in themselves not that novel because they've been in other industries. They just finally, the urgency to to be responsive, forced kind of the reordering of CIO, chief innovation officers, chief investment officers, at information officers, all three CIOs in healthcare and the healthcare industry to re, kind of reorient their budget. So we saw many of our portfolio companies dramatically exceeded plan last year because the urgency to purchase solutions. If I bear with me one more second, I say this often, and I think this for me frames why I'm so excited, again, notwithstanding COVID and, the, and how horrible it's been. The advertising industry starting 20 plus years ago was re-architected, $265 billion to spend. It was a terrific phenomenon, several trillion, maybe more than $10 trillion of venture capital market value was created. Google, Facebook, Twitter, you know, as that industry was reinvented, is incredibly profound time for the advertising industry. Healthcare is 13 times larger in spend. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be harder, undoubtedly, but directionally over the next one to two decades, you know, as new risk comes into the system, as new revenue opportunities come into the system, 
I just think there's sort of an inevitability that great, great venture-backed companies will emerge out of what is a horrible pandemic, the period of the pandemic. But once we get through that, I think you're just going to see this really profoundly interesting run of great companies get created. So I'm super excited. I think the medium to long term to your question is actually quite encouraging, but I don't want to sound so naive. These are hard companies to build. It is not up into the right straight line, unlike maybe in consumer internet where you see massively rapid consumer adoption, and then they try and figure out monetization later on. In healthcare, monetization is front and center at every step of the way. And so these products really need to have measurable, attributable ROI quickly. And so I think it'll be fits and starts, but directionally over the next few decades, I just think we're going to see a profoundly interesting investment horizon. It really is. And to your point, we, you know, while it's been Terrible. It's affected a lot of people. COVID has also accelerated a lot of the innovation that we're seeing. And the future is promising. I don't think like even the digital health, right? Something like 380 billion healthcare economy. It's a big, big, big pie. Yeah. And we're not even talking about drug discovery and therapeutics impact on all of those sectors with these technologies. Uh, The fact that within 12 months, we have three or four now approved vaccines for something we didn't even understand in March as it was sort of washing ashore is March of last year. Just the power of AI, all the buzzwords. We're now actually seeing that those investments in technology have a dramatic impact on care delivery. And for us, what's so interesting about a third of our company sell into the pharma industry, so we see how important they are. Even business model innovation, the ability using AI and predictive algorithms to take on risk on populations. We're quite excited about some of our services businesses that can take risk and be risk-bearing on certain populations around outcomes. And you know, you wouldn't have been able to do that with high confidence even five years ago. People tried and many of them struggled because they couldn't fully assess the risk. So so we see that there's just a lot of kind of second order implications for this rapid adoption of technology as to even around business model innovation. For us, one of the great frontiers is the home and the ability to move hospital services in or closer to the home, testing capabilities, the intersection of public health. All of that is now because of the pandemic. We've all seen the shortcomings of it, and we're able to grab solutions from other industries and say, oh, well, you know, American Express figured out how to underwrite credit risk. We, can, we have certain capabilities that our risk-bearing, novel risk-bearing service models, healthcare service companies can now take on. I'm being a little dramatic just to show you the rapid <laughs> yeah, adoption yeah. is going to have downstream implications, which, which we think is really exciting. That is for sure. Man, super interesting, Michael. Really want to want to thank you for sharing some of these tips for the entrepreneurs listening, the, the entrepreneurs that are looking to raise money. This has been great. Just want to remind everybody that uh, you could find Michael's blog on the flying bridge, on the flyingbridge.com flarecapital.com. We'll we'll include all these links inside of the show notes. Michael, leave us with the closing thought and uh, best place that listeners could reach out to you if they want to connect. Closing thought, I I must be repetitive. I I do think better days are ahead for the country, for the world. Clearly, I think we're much closer to the end and the beginning of, of this incredible disruption. Notwithstanding all of that, I think if you're in the healthcare tech space, much, much better days are ahead. I'm super excited about it. The firm is Flair Capital Partners based in Boston, although we obviously operate around the country and would encourage anybody to come and visit us virtually now and then in person when people are back on planes. But 
we are super excited to hear from great entrepreneurs. So look forward to continuing the conversations. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, all the best. Really appreciate you bringing light to all this, these opportunities. 